Hello, I'm Dr. Rebecca Sun, Director of the Peregrine Centre. As we begin this episode of the Peregrine Rural Mental Health Podcast, please join me in stopping to consider the land beneath your feet, wherever you might be listening from today. Let's take a moment together to acknowledge the traditional owners of that land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders of the past, those of the present, and the emerging elders of tomorrow. The Peregrine Rural Mental Health Podcast is brought to you as part of our Rural Mental Health Partnership with New South Wales Health. Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Peregrine Rural Mental Health Podcast. I'm Dale Raftery. I'm a clinical psychologist and research associate at the Peregrine Centre. Today on the podcast, we're talking mindfulness, what it is, what it isn't, and how to get the most out of it with your clients. And hopefully at the end, we're going to engage in a little bit of a mindful practice. Joining me today is Dr. Judy Pickard. Judy is a clinical psychologist and senior lecturer at the University of Wollongong. And in fact, Judy taught me a lot about mindfulness practices. So I'm really excited to be speaking with her today. Welcome, Judy. Would you like to just introduce yourself and give a little bit of background about you? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks, Dale. Thanks for inviting me to be part of this podcast. Well, you've already mentioned that I'm a clinical psychologist and a senior lecturer, but my interest in mindfulness really developed through my clinical work. Um, I worked in the mental health service for over 15 years, and in that time, I guess I really became aware of how difficult it is for people to integrate their past experiences in a way that doesn't override their current experiences. Um, And what I mean by that is that people come to therapy often with a history of really difficult life experiences, and those experiences have affected how they see themselves, how they see others, and how they, I guess, make sense of their world. And that essentially can influence how they see now. And so not necessarily taking in all the things that are happening now, but really being influenced by the past. So mindfulness or current moment awareness is simply that. It's becoming aware of the current moment as it is so that we can take in new information and learn new things about ourselves and others and choose helpful or effective responses based on the current situation rather than things that we've learned or over-applied in the past that may not work in this situation. So my interest in mindfulness really developed from wanting to help clients learn that they could feel safe now and be aware of what was happening in the current moment and really kind of learn new things about themselves and what they needed and what would be a helpful response for them. So I started using mindfulness in my clinical work and then I went on and completed my PhD looking at how mindfulness affects the cross-generational transmission of mental health through parent-child relationships. And then when I started at the university, what struck me was how, I guess, how much anxiety that trainee clinicians bring into the clinical room and how that can affect their ability to be able to be present to their clients but also their own mental well-being. And so that's when I sort of, I guess, became interested in how to develop or I developed a program in supporting students as they were going through clinical training to help their practice but also help them as well. Yeah, that's really nice. That really struck a chord when you talk about early clinicians' anxiety in the room. And I I definitely remember being so in my head in the room when I was starting out with clients and just not even paying attention to what the client was telling me. So it's very helpful. Uh, I think mindfulness is a, a bit of a, a buzzword at the moment, and you've talked a little bit about what it actually is. I'm wondering, what are the benefits of mindfulness? 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of research now demonstrating the benefits of mindfulness. So whilst it's not focused on taking away negative feelings or thoughts, that's often a byproduct of practicing mindfulness. It's associated with improved mental well-being, so reduced anxiety and depression. It's also associated with changes in neurological functioning so that it actually increases activity in the brains that are in the brain area that's associated with decision making and emotional regulation, self-regulation. So that's really helpful benefit for people. It's also about connecting. So it improves relationships and it has benefits with chronic pain and other medical illnesses as well. Our research at the uni with the clinical trainees has found that it does actually increase clinicians' tolerance of uncertainty. And when you think about working with clients and the complexity of presentations, that's obviously important because it can feel really overwhelming. And it also increases self-compassion in trainee clinicians so they can like, be a bit kinder to themselves. <laughs> Right, a lot of benefits. I I was actually reading um, Brainstorm by Dan Siegel the other day. He talks a lot about mindfulness in that. And one of the things that was in there that really surprised me was people who practice mindfulness or time in, he calls it, their telomerase levels are actually higher. So that's the thing that like holds our DNA together. There's anti-aging properties to mindfulness. You have to like that. (laughs) (laughs) No downside here. (laughs) So, Judy, I asked you to bring uh, some resources to discuss today. So these are for people who have, I mean, I think everyone has probably heard about mindfulness. It's, as I said before, it's a buzzword. It's very popular. But for people who are trying to figure it out, what it means, how to introduce it into their practice, I'm wondering if you could start with your first resource today. What what have you brought? Yeah. Um, so my first one was a YouTube clip called Mindfulness as a Superpower. And the reason I like this is I think it explains mindfulness really nicely in terms of what it is and also what it's not um, in a really clear, simple way. So mindfulness has sort of developed a bit of a pop psychology buzz kind of impression where people kind of feel like we're telling them to just calm down or be zen or forget about what's distressing them. And it's really not that. It's really about bringing attention to what is actually happening in the current moment, whether that be good or bad or otherwise, and just paying attention to it so that we make space for it and then we can make helpful choices. And what I like about that clip is essentially that's what it talks about, about, you know, there's an um, example of someone who's kind of caught up in a in a cartoon road rage incident <laughs> and how if they're really caught up in their mind, they can react and that's not going to be helpful for them. But essentially it's letting them know that, yes, of course you can be angry or whatever it is that you're feeling in that situation and then you can choose what's going to be helpful for you and the people in your car, in that example, your children. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave that clip a bit of a watch. I really I really enjoyed it because it was very pragmatic and practical and I think they made a little quip at the end about this doesn't mean your life is going to be unicorns and rainbows but it might help you just to be a little bit more present in those moments. You, you mentioned this, and one thing that I come up against when I'm introducing mindfulness to people in a clinical setting um, is frustration. They get, I've had people get really annoyed when I've suggested a mindful practice, and they kind of experience it as something that's really, really difficult to do when on the surface it seems like an easy task. What is it about mindfulness that makes it kind of tricky to start practicing? Yeah, well, I, I think the thing is, is that mindfulness is a really simple thing when you when you think about it and break it down and it's like it is just about paying attention to the current moment, 
to what's unfolding without judgment. And that seems like it could be really simple and easy. But the difficult part is that our mind gets really involved and we're used to using our mind for all sorts of things. So, you know, problem solving, planning what we're going to do next, thinking about what happened in the past, trying to change how we feel about situations. And so we're so used to being caught up in our mind that the, it interferes with the mindful practice and so often people feel like, I just don't get this. And one thing that's important to keep in mind is that mindfulness is a skill and so if we're not practising it, then we're not necessarily going to be good at it. Some people have a high dispositional mindfulness, but for most of us, we need to practise to be able to use that strength or skill and to get better at it. And generally, just kind of being aware that we're having thoughts when we're getting caught up in thoughts and noticing that their thoughts can create that space to bring us back to the present moment. So I, I guess I generally recommend that, but also just being gentle with yourself about it of rather than kicking yourself for it, it's like, oh, here, here my mind goes again. Let's just notice that and bring it back. Being aware of our thoughts is also mindfulness. We're noticing the experience of having thoughts. So, so there's no harm in that. Yeah, that's a, a really nice reflection around this idea of kind of compassion and I think removing the emotion. I think uh, what is often difficult for people is the judgments that come with it and people are coming into therapy because they're perceiving the way that they're responding to situations is incorrect or, or wrong um, sometimes. And it's a big shift to kind of suggest maybe those thoughts can just be there um, and we don't we don't have to respond. It's not about getting rid of them. It's about being aware of them and, and that they are thoughts and that's where they're coming from rather than facts. Yeah, and it's it's a bit of a hard sell sometimes when people are saying, I just want to get rid of these thoughts and you're saying, what if we just sit with them instead? How how do you sell that to people? Um, I, guess, I guess one thing I would say is, well, how is that working for you to mm-hmm. just get rid of that? And, and we can keep trying that and then see how that works. And often people... I guess, recognise that it's not working. But if we can just bring a gentle attention to it um, with some compassion, as you mentioned, then we can make space for it and notice that those thoughts and those feelings or whatever it is they're experiencing can actually have a place and can be attended to and then can actually move on as well in their own speed. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Uh, What's your second resource that you've brought today? Uh, so I'm trying to think of what list, I, what order I sent them in. The second one was the podcast <laughs> by Tara Brack. Um, so Tara Brack has done a lot of work in this area. Her podcast is absolutely full of talks about mindfulness and meditation, as well as experiential exercise exercises. I, I find both really helpful in terms of she's really clear. She brings lots of metaphors and stories to her talks and she has a very gentle warm approach that is very easy to listen to and then of course the experiential exercise of actually talking people through mindfulness exercises ranges in terms of length and topic but again is really helpful to I guess bring people back to the present moment or bring their attention to whatever the topic is I actually recommend it with a lot of my clients her podcast and I've had really positive feedback in terms of how people have used it themselves and ongoingly over several years keep listening to her podcast because they find it really helpful. 
Right. And so it sounds like it's a, a bit of a mix of kind of that experiential, but also I was having a quick look through her episodes, um, sometimes a bit of discussion about like the research or just her experiences. That would feel, I imagine, a bit like a nice rounding out where we're not only getting the experience of practicing mindfulness, but also her reflections on it. And I think sometimes understanding what it is about mindfulness that people are kind of attracted to and, and how it's helped them personally can sometimes help the people who maybe need a little bit more selling. Absolutely. And I think kind of she really, really brings a human approach to it that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not a Zen master, we're all practicing this. And, and I think what's nice about the podcast is that different topics will resonate with different people at different times, or sometimes we'll listen to it and then come back to it later and we take a different meaning or a different, I guess, interest point out of it and I think that's what's you know really helpful too yeah I think that's a a nice point and probably something worth touching on that there's a lot of different ways to do mindfulness and I I wonder how you explore that with people in terms of you know I think about just sitting on a cushion trying to pay attention to our thoughts versus uh, a guided visualization or something how do you decide what might work for a client yeah, so I usually, I, I guess, try and offer a few different things mm-hmm. uh, over time so that it's not a one-size-fits-all. That we, we all respond to different things. And so sometimes people will really like just doing a body scan mindfulness exercise in session. Other times people like listening to podcasts or having apps or other, you know, walking meditations or mindfulness sort of experiences. And I also really recommend just the incidental mindfulness of, you know, paying attention to the incidental things. So if you're in the shower, notice what the water feels like and your soap smells like. When you're out in nature, notice what colour the sky is or what sounds you hear, those sorts of things. Or So just even if you can just grab a little moment and notice it, it can, one thing, it can stop your thoughts from snowballing, but it can also bring your appreciation into what's here right now. And the richness of that, for example, when you're hugging your child or your partner, and actually experiencing that rather than just doing an in-passing moment. Yeah, that's that's a nice thing. I think sometimes people get caught up in doing mindfulness right, which for some people means spending you know, the 10, 15 minutes a day purposefully paying attention to their thoughts or their breath or whatever. But finding those moments just during the day where we're actually tuning in, because um, our minds are so busy, as you said at the start, and to actually tune in with what's happening around us and, and how is this moment actually making me feel. I, I find sometimes with clients it's a helpful way to encourage them to start to practice where it's not it's not so hard to tune in for two minutes while you brush your teeth, but it can be hard to sit still for 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And really essentially what we want to do is any formal practice is about bringing it into our everyday life. So mm-hmm. the incidental moments are, are really what we're what we want to kind of include as much as possible so that that's where we're living. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. I think that might bring us nicely to the the third resource that you've brought for the um, John Kabat-Zinn book. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So John Kabat-Zinn was um, probably one of the, well, the first person who really brought mindfulness into, I guess, clinical work and his work was with, um, the health profession, doctors in particular, um, and really looking at what's his approach is called mindfulness-based stress reduction and really, I guess, bringing into our practice, our, our therapeutic practice, um, mindfulness. 
And so his book is very much about, um, yeah, because the title is Wherever You Go, There You Are. It's really simple, right? It's like being in the moment. But what I particularly like about that book is that he talks about the beginner's mind and the beginner's mind is really about bringing curiosity to every moment and situation that we're in um, and having a non-expert stance so that we can ask questions. No question is a dumb question. You know, it's all about learning and, and not knowing the answers and we have to step back and take that beginner's mind approach to allow ourselves or give ourselves permission to not know the answers. And then that just opens up so much opportunity for us to see things fresh and new, to be, I guess, open and non-judgmental. He talks about non-striving in terms of letting things unfold um, and certainly bringing, as I said, like a curious and compassionate attention to experiences. And I think, you know, particularly when we're talking about, well, uni, but university learning, but also in relationships, you know, if we can bring our curiosity to it rather than thinking we know the answer then we have much more space to really kind of I guess learn from it but also experience it enjoy it and take what take what we need from it yeah as as you were talking I was thinking about this series that we're doing which is getting started with a range of different therapy styles and techniques um, and so we're, we're looking at acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy motivational interviewing um, and a couple of others, because people, practitioners around New South Wales um, have responded to our learning needs survey saying we we need more information on this. We want kind of training on these therapeutic styles. And at the start of this series, we talked about being a learner and, and starting out and holding that space of people expecting us to be the expert, but uh, knowing that we don't always have the answers and, and feeling okay in that. And so it's a it's a nice reminder for clinicians that our role is just to be present and to sit with people and share their experiences and in in some ways be able to sit alongside those experiences to show that those experiences are tolerable and we can make it through and it's not too much for us to hold that with them which is how mindfulness can help us as clinicians. Like it's it's very helpful for our clients, but as clinicians, it's really important. I'm I'm reflecting at the start of this episode, I was really in my head about how it was going. And as we've been talking, I've noticed myself kind of regulate a little bit more. Probably could have used a little bit of mindfulness at the start, but here we are now. So <laughs> not judgmental. There's, there's always space for it. <laughs> Any yeah. moment. Yes. Yes. I'm wondering if there are any times, Judy, where you might think, oh, mindfulness might actually not be helpful here if there are certain presentations or presenting problems or any circumstances that you think actually maybe this is not the right approach. Yeah, there is, there is um, growing research and it's still in its early stages into what's called meditation-related adverse events. And essentially that is when people have had difficult experiences or negative experiences when they've been meditating. So they may experience derealization or confusion or distress that has arisen while they've been meditating. So as I said, the research is early, but there's definitely the experience of it. Generally, from what I have read is that people still indicate that they want to continue meditating and that it was an experience that lasted, but it's something that we need to pay attention to and be um, aware of for the potential. I guess if we're thinking about particular client presentations and where we might be more, I guess, 
considering whether or not mindfulness is going to be useful, um, would typically be with trauma and psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that we don't necessarily use it, but we're just really thoughtful about how we use it and without just jumping in and rushing forward, but thinking about how what it would mean to the individual, how we can ensure that we get informed consent with them rather than just launching into, for example, a body scan or a visualisation but just really working with them and at their pace in terms of slowly moving forward. Yeah, that's it's interesting that you talk about informed consent in those situations and I wonder how you would maybe approach that conversation with someone. Yeah, I guess, well, I guess first of all, just really introducing it in terms of what it is and what it isn't, mm-hmm. um, maybe showing something like the simple show, that YouTube clip, simple show mm-hmm. YouTube clip, Um, about superpower in terms of helping them to understand what it is and being able to just answer questions, I guess, giving them the opportunity to ask questions and answer their questions in terms of what it would mean and what we could do and just providing some suggestions about how we could move forward gently with it um, rather than just jumping in. Yeah, I, I think that's really nice to sort of consider what this experience might be like for the other person. And I know particularly when I've had clients who are particularly avoidant of emotions, mindfulness can be really, really threatening because I'm asking them to just sit in that space and to not do all of their avoidance strategies. And and depending on why they're seeing me, sometimes it isn't helpful to jump straight into that. Yeah, it's it's helpful, I think, to think about it carefully and what this might mean for the person. We can know that it's helpful and know that practicing this will eventually lead us to the benefits we talked about at the start, but how we kind of approach that and consider it on an individual basis. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think you had one more resource. Yeah, the final one was an app, um, which is Smiling Mind. I guess this is one that I, I know a lot of clients jump onto and find really helpful as just like it's something to ground them and remind them of practice. So, again, it's really about what works for the individual um, and I think, you know, this is just an example of certainly what clients have said back to me in terms of what helps them. <laughs> yeah, I love the Smiling Mind app. I've, I've recommended it to people. I've used it myself. I think it's a really nice app where it does have that range of um, mindfulness practices. So there is that kind of guided imagery or just the attention to the breath or just staying in the moment. Um, it's a nice way for clients, I think, to take a little bit of that control as well they get to sort of experience different things under their own steam choosing what works (laughs) yes yeah which i think is an important thing in in the mindfulness field as we touched on before some things just don't work for some people and i've had people in the past where i've suggested doing a mindfulness practice and they're very dismissive they say no it doesn't work for me doesn't work for me and then i ask what they've tried and it's just been usually it's just kind of um the sitting still for 10 minutes and trying to think of nothing, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Uh, I've never achieved it. So. <laughs> big ask. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's nice to have a resource that allows us to experience different things and, and to try new things out and let people try them under their own steam instead of being told by a professional you should do this. It gives them, I think, a little bit of autonomy and ownership back over their practice. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, it's very individual. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
So to round us out today, Judy, I am wondering if you would mind leading us in a mindfulness practice so we can all have a bit of an experience. Sure. Lovely. My pleasure. (laughs) So for for our listeners, I would really encourage you to create the space to practice along with us. Um, Obviously, if you're driving, uh, maybe pause the episode and come back to it a bit later when, when you can attend. But taking the time now to engage in this and as we've been talking about it's the uh, non-judgmentalness self-compassion noticing what happens as we practice take it away judy okay great thanks Dal. okay so i i guess i would just encourage everyone to just make themselves comfortable in their chair physically comfortable either closing your eyes or just lowering your gaze and just gently bring your attention to your breathing And just noticing as it is right now and seeing if you can just gently, slowly slow it down. Just taking some long, slow, deep breaths. And just becoming aware of your thoughts that might be coming up as you do this. And just noticing their thoughts. And seeing if you can just return your attention back to your breathing. And I'll just get you to turn your attention to your feet at this moment. Just noticing your feet wherever they are at the moment, whether they're touching the ground or resting on something else. Just bringing a curious attention to your feet. Just noticing any experiences that you might be having with your feet at the moment. Noticing any sensation that's there. Any urges that might be arising about your feet to move them or to wriggle your toes. And again, if your mind starts to wander, just notice that. And gently return your attention back to your feet. And now just turn your attention to your legs and moving up above your feet and becoming aware of what your legs feel like right now. Noticing the connection that your legs have to your feet and any sensations that you're experiencing. Again, if your mind starts to wander, just gently notice that 
and bring your attention back with curiosity to any sensation that you're experiencing in your legs right now. I want you to just notice the feeling of your feet, your legs, and what they're connected to at the moment. So if they're touching the ground, if you're sitting in a chair, if you're lying down, and just noticing your connection to wherever you are. And becoming aware of that. Just noticing that you're here. And your connection to the ground underneath you. Notice as your mind might start to wander that you can bring yourself back to just noticing your connection to wherever it is that you are. Just noticing right here and now, where you are, you might start to notice the sounds around you, and just notice that, as they come and go, just holding them lightly and noticing them. Returning to just notice yourself here, connected to wherever you are right now. Grounded through your feet and your legs and connected. Now I'll just get you to turn your attention back to your breathing. And with each breath, really becoming aware of the connection with here, with the ground underneath you, or the surface you lay on. Just finishing with long, three long, slow, deep breaths. And then when you finish that, you can just move around, open your eyes. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, I found that quite tricky. I don't know how our listeners went, but my mind was everywhere. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, about well, a lot I, of stuff. Yeah, as we were saying, it, it's practice and sometimes it'll be easier than others. Sometimes our mind is busy and it really is just about being gentle with that, noticing it's busy today rather mm. than kicking yourself for it and and seeing what you can do. Yeah, it's um, I you know, the layers upon layers that happen in our brain. But I would notice that I'd started thinking about, um, you know, what I'm doing later this afternoon and other work tasks that I have going on. I feel the frustration of noticing that once again my mind has wandered um, and then uh, bringing myself back and, and trying to pay attention again. And inevitably my mind would wander off and I'd start thinking about something else and just noticing it. Um, it's... It's difficult to not feel frustrated, I think, when, yeah. And yet the real, I guess the real mindful awareness comes when you notice that your mind's wandered off again, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's each time you notice it, bringing it back, that's what it is. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that I do enjoy about doing mindfulness in my clinical work is, um, I mean, obviously if I'm leading it, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing, but also it's a nice reminder of, this is helpful and this is helpful for almost everyone. You've talked about a a lot today and I think one of the things that's a little bit tricky about mindfulness is there are a million places to start with it and and because it is so popular there's a lot of a lot of resources out there and it can be a bit tricky to to know where to start and and how to bring that. I'm wondering if People take away one thing from this conversation that we've had today and implemented in their practice. What do you hope it would be? I think it would be about dispelling that pop psychology, I guess, image of mindfulness that it's it's really, you know, when it's sometimes a really difficult concept to get across. It's simple but it's difficult and mm. people can, as, as you mentioned before, feel really invalidated by, you know, if we say to a client, let's do a mindfulness exercise now, they might, kind of still be so caught up in their distress or wanting to talk about it that they feel like we're just trying to shut them down. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I would hope that people could take take away is about how we just bring present moment attention to where we are and it's not necessarily saying to a client, okay, let's do a mindfulness exercise and start breathing now. It's about can we stay in this moment? Can we be with this, whether it's difficult or good or something in the middle and make space for it so that we can notice what you're experiencing and work out what you need from this moment there and what's going to be helpful for you. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today, Judy. Um, I, I hope that this conversation has sparked some understanding for our listeners. And just as a reminder, we'll have all of the resources that Judy talked about today and a transcript of this episode. So if you want to try that mindfulness practice that Judy ran through with us, this will all be on our learning portal, which is the Peregrine portal. Uh, you can sign up for free to our portal to access these resources, as well as a whole library of other resources uh, and information about upcoming training that we offer. Uh, so thank you, Judy, for joining us today. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you found today's episode helpful. You'll find specially selected resources on this topic on our digital learning platform. To join the platform for free or to suggest questions or topics for further episodes, please visit our website, 
theperegrinecentre.com.au.